Now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located over at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago, a great spot to catch a ball game, have a couple of beers, great food there as well, so make sure you get on over to Coach's. Now, it's been a long time since we've done one of these shows. I'd like to start by just apologizing for not being as consistent as I would like to with these Cubs corners. Um, I'd like to share that I graduated from the University of Illinois with a degree in journalism this past May. Uh, senior year was just really busy trying to uh, apply for jobs, keep my grades right, and uh, leave Champaign. Um, coming back to Chicago now here for summer and uh, hoping to get back on the train a little bit with these Cubs Corner podcasts. Obviously, a lot of news to get into since the season began. Um, I'd also like to share, I'm doing a little bit of work for MLB.com, so make sure to follow along for my articles there whenever I share them on my social media pages, as well as still working with Cubs HQ for some commentaries and write-ups whenever something crosses my mind. So let's go back to the lockout. A terrible time for baseball questioning whether or not the season would end up happening. Eventually it did. There's been a lot of rule changes. We'll get into those on an additional episode, but the biggest one is the Universal DH in both both the National League and the American League. Next year we'll have a balanced schedule. Every team will play every team. And, of course, there's some other little monetary things in the CBA that the union and the league were able to agree to to get this season to play. But Right before that lockout, the Cubs signed a deal with Marcus Stroman. Now, they said they were not going to be doing a rebuild. They said that's not what this is going to be called, even though they did trade Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, etc., etc., over a year ago today. However, signing Marcus Stroman, signing Japanese standout player Seiya Suzuki, made people think that maybe this rebuild was going to be a little bit quicker than we thought. And initially heading into the season, it did look like that. The, the Cubs adopted a contact-oriented approach. Nico Horner, Nick Madrigal, Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras, Seiya Suzuki headlined that lineup that still contains some players like Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel. And the Cubs started off hot, but eventually cooled down and found themselves near the bottom of the NL Central, fourth, fifth, or third in the division. They've kind of altered between those positions. And the thing is with this Cubs team, is they've had three losing streaks of eight or more games this season. So they get into ruts where they really, really struggle. But there have obviously been some bright spots as well, none brighter than Wilson Contreras. He's having his best offensive season yet, hitting .252 at the plate, slugging over 400 with 14 homers and 38 runs driven in from usually the three-hole in that Cubs lineup. He was named to his third All-Star game this season, and he started at catcher. For the National League and his brother, William Contreras, is enjoying a breakout campaign. He started the All-Star game as a designated hitter. A great, proud moment for the Contreras brothers. The other All-Star that the Cubs sent to the game last month in the middle of July, the Midsummer's Classic, Ian Happ, who is also enjoying a great season, hitting up at 279 on the season. Nine homers, but he is second on the Cubs with 46 runs driven in, and he's playing some excellent defense out in left field. Finally, Hap has kind of emerged into the player they hoped he'd be. Remember, he was drafted in that slew of guys in the first round that the Cubs eventually graduated to the bigs leagues, starting with Javier Baez, 
then Albert Almora, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber. Ian Happ was that fifth guy in a row, and he struggled initially. He had a lot of home runs his first season in 2017. The Cubs were great, won the division. 2018, he was okay. 2019, they sent him back down to the minors to work on hitting righty, to work on striking out less, and, of course, to work on defense because he really didn't have a home on the field with Ben Zobrist, Addison Russell, Javier Baez clogging up the middle and Albert Almora, Nicholas Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, Jason Hayward, etc. in the outfield. He needed to find a way to get on the field, and he did so in the outfield, and he's been good. The strikeout numbers are down. He's got 91 this season, second most on the team. But down from before, and of course his slugging percentage and on base are as high as they've ever been in his career, earning him his first ever all-star all-star nod, all-star selection. Those are the Cubs' two all-stars, but there have been a few other very bright points on this offense, none bigger than Nico Horner. Nico Horner is the shortstop the Cubs drafted in 2018, made his debut very soon after in the Cubs' playoff stretch of 2019, and many expected Horner to eventually move to second base. They thought shortstop, he might not be able to play, might not have the arm to last there for a full season, might not have the bat to stay in the lineup all season. And this year, with Andrelton Simmons, who the Cubs signed on the injured list at the beginning, Nico Horner was given that opportunity to show he belonged at shortstop, and boy has he ever. Six homers and 33 RBIs for a guy who has batted pretty much in the 1-2 or 8-9 hole all season long but he's hitting 294 and has only struck out 37 times. He leads the Cubs with a 3.3 wins above replacement and has been even better defensively than he was offensively. So it certainly seems like Horner is a guy that the Cubs can hope to rebuild around and keep on the upcoming Cubs teams. Another guy is Christopher Morell. He came up in May and lit the league on fire. Nine homers, 29 RBIs so far this season, and he provides an a sense of electricity and passion for a team that has struggled this year. He reminds a lot of people the type of energy he brings to Wilson Contreras, and he has learned a lot from watching Contreras. But as it stands right now, the Cubs are not in playoff position. In fact, not very close either. Third place in the NL Central, 41-60. and 60. They're 19 games below 500. And while they have lost more one-run games than any team in the pros, they just aren't quite where they need to be to make the playoffs. But that's what we knew was going to happen. When you trade so many major league talented players last season at the deadline, you were bound to take a step back this year, and they have. The good thing is there are some bright spots. Nico Horner, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, and Seiya Suzuki has been a lot better since returning from the injured list. On the pitching side of things, closer who was signed for this season, David Robertson, has been fantastic. He's got a very, very low ERA of 2.23 with 14 saves and 51 strikeouts in just 40 innings pitched. Scott Efros was great as well with a 2.66 ERA in a league-leading 47 games, but he has just been traded to the New York Yankees for a high-level prospect who might be in the starting rotation this year or next. But the biggest bright spot on the pitching staff has been not Kyle Hendricks, and not the newly acquired Marcus Stroman. Instead, Keegan Thompson. He's 8-4 with a 3.16 ERA in his second year of pro ball, 88 innings pitched, and he started 13 games. He started in the bullpen, eventually moved to the rotation, and has been great. 
Justin Steele, the pride of Mississippi, four wins, seven losses. The record isn't great, but a 3.86 ERA and 87 strikeouts to lead the Cubs. Those have been the Cubs' one and two starters. Kyle Hendricks has struggled. He's currently on the injured list. Marcus Stroman has battled injuries, COVID, and a concussion, but is finally back and has been electric on the road this season. So as the Cubs look forward to a rotation next season, it looks like Stroman, Steele, and Thompson are for sure going to be mainstays. Adrian Sampson has come up recently and pitched for Chicago and has been pretty good as well with a 3.74 ERA. He's a strikeout pitcher as well with 32 Ks and 43 innings pitched. Some other starters, Wade Miley, Alec Mills, Drew Smiley, they've all pitched but haven't been very effective for this Cubs team. And of course, you look into the bullpen, the Cubs continue to churn out good bullpen year after year after year, regardless of who they trade, acquire, sign, whatever the case may be, the Cubs bullpen always seems to rank top five in the National League, and this year is no different. I mentioned Robertson on the closing end of things. He's been great. Efros as well before he was traded. Chris Martin has also been pretty good, but he was also traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers last week. Michael Givens has a 2.66 ERA and has six wins on the year from the pen with 51 strikeouts and just 40 and two-thirds innings pitched, but the word on the street is that he will be traded. As the trade deadline approaches tomorrow at 5 p.m. Central Time, many expect the Cubs to have another sell-off, stocking up on more prospects and pushing toward the future that hopefully arrives sooner than right now it looks like it will. Wilson Contreras, Kyle Hendricks, Ian Happ, Michael Givens, David Robertson are five players left on the team rumored to be traded at tomorrow's deadline. I think Contreras is as good as gone as much as I wish they would extend the best catcher in the game. Instead, they'd rather trade him and stock up on some prospects so that all of their good, talented players' primes lines up with the next winning team, and I believe they're afraid Wilson Contreras's won't. Ian Happ also seems to be a guy that the Cubs are going to trade. While he's finally enjoyed a breakout campaign, been everything the Cubs wanted him to be this season, his value is also as high as it has ever been, enjoying an all-star season with over a year left of control. Hap might generate a nice trade and a nice return for the Cubs as they look toward the future. I doubt Kyle Hendricks moves. He's the only player left from the 2016 team if Contreras does go, considering Hayward has been on the injured list since last month. And David Robertson is likely to be traded as well. He could be a nice closer or a setup man for a team looking to push toward the postseason. Michael Givens also rumored to go as well with the White Sox, Mets, Astros, among teams interested in him. The frustrating part for Cubs fans is when Theo and Jed arrived, they said, we're going to tear this thing down, we're going to build it up, we're going to win, and we're never going to have to do it again. Well, here we are 10 years later doing it again. It's frustrating saying goodbye to so many players that mean so much to this team in this city. Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, Hap, Chris Bryant. So many players that made Chicagoans fall in love with baseball over again, enjoy a World Series championship finally, are now no longer on the team, and we're back to the bottom, lovable losers once again. What's even more frustrating is that the Cubs continue to cry poor and perform with thin pockets, not signing any of these players that they are rumored to, not diving deep into a big deal since the Jason Hayward one in 2016, and Tom Ricketts 
says biblical losses were a result of the pandemic, yet he's continuing to explore business and political ventures around the Wrigley Field neighborhood, a sports book, hotels, Gallagher Way renovations, etc., etc., etc. They're willing to pay on anything that can generate them money except for players that can generate them wins. And that's very frustrating for fans, especially as the Cubs enjoy the highest fan experience price in the league. So you've got fans paying top dollar for a team not trying to win, and that's beyond frustrating. But there is still a season in session. The Cubs are off today on Monday, August 1st. They play tomorrow night in St. Louis, likely with some of your familiar faces now no longer on the team. But we're going to check in with our AL insider, Robert Fiorante, to break down some of the trades that have already happened and talk about the season as it continues. And for the first time in over a year, we welcome our AL insider, Bob Fiorante, to the show. Bob, thank you for coming on, man. And, you know, it's been too long, man. It's it's great to be here, talk some baseball with you. It sure is. Now let's get into a little bit of trade talks that have happened so far. And the biggest one is I'm re- reacting relatively live to this. Josh Hader from the Milwaukee Brewers, the all-star closer who the Cubs have faced time and time again and struggled against, is now a San Diego Padre. How about that? That's wild. Uh, completely unexpected. Especially Brewers, our first place team. You know, obviously they're not selling. Uh, they just they wanted a few extra pieces. Um, I know you're gonna maybe mention who they got back in that, but um, the Brewers are smart. They're a smart organization. You know, not too much money, so I kind of trust what they're doing. Um, but how about the Padres? The last couple of years, trade after trade after trade. Um, acquiring guys, giving up prospects. I kind of like what they're doing. They're really trying. Um, obviously, the division's pretty much out of hand almost every year by this time uh, with the Dodgers in there. But, man, you got to give it to them for trying. Absolutely, and it seems like they're still in the sweepstakes for Juan Soto should he get dealt before tomorrow's deadline. I will mention those players they got in return. The Brewers now have closer Taylor Rogers and reliever Danielson Lamette as well as outfielders Drew Ruiz and a minor leaguer Robert Gasser, who is their number seven prospect in single A Fort Wayne. So it seems like the Brewers did get a good amount back for Hayter, um, who is controlled through this year and next. But it's just quite the shakeup to see a first-place team getting rid of arguably one of their best players. Definitely, and, and arguably the best closer in the league uh, the last couple of years. Um, he's probably my top guy if I needed three outs. Um, I mean, just a strikeout machine. You can't beat a lefty out of there. They did get a Taylor Rogers is pretty nasty. Um, from what I remember with the Twins, I think he's a lefty as well. Kind of a weird motion. Um, so they got their guy. Uh, you know, Craig Council knows how to manage that bullpen. Uh, they they pretty much live in the two to one uh, wins, like two to one games uh, with the bullpen shutting it down in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. So uh, I'm sure they have, they are happy w- with what they got, and I think they'll be okay. Uh, Rogers is real, real good. Yeah, absolutely, and they still have Devin Williams, who is an all-star this season, who they may choose to have close games, if not still pitch the eighth. So the bullpen is still strong for Milwaukee. Um, that's probably been the biggest move so far. The Mariners did dish off four prospects to the Reds in exchange for Luis Castillo, who many thought the White Sox or the New York Yankees or the Mets would be interested in acquiring. Instead, it was the Mariners, who were in second place in their division behind the Astros, but trying to build a lead in the wild card. The Mariners are the ones who got Castillo. Yeah, the Mariners are another team kind of like the Padres. They're not going to win that division. 
Uh, Astros are too far ahead, but they're right there. Yeah, they hold that wild card position right now. Um, and I think they're kind of, I, I really do, even as a Sox fan, you know, we're in that battle, but I think they're there to stay. Um, they got a lot of fun young pieces, Julio Rodriguez, and that front office is super aggressive. Um, and I think they're going to be really happy with Castillo. Obviously, they have Robbie Ray back there um, as a starter as well. So they're kind of becoming a team you don't really want to see. I mean, they're young, uh, not a ton of experience, especially like non-pitching wise. Um, but, I mean, they can hit, they can pitch, and uh, you know the fans are behind them, especially last year we saw that. So they should be fun to watch down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And the other big move of sustenance so far Last weekend, the Subway Series between the Yankees and the Mets. The Mets swept the Yankees in two games, and Joey Gallo did not perform well. Right after that, the Yankees go and get former Red Sox Andrew Benintendi from the Royals, who will now slot in to be an outfielder next to Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge and some of the other outstanding pieces the Yankees have. Benintendi is now in New York. Yeah, you know, it was it was just a matter of time for Gallo. It just never worked out. Benintendi's been a good piece, a little disappointing in Kansas City, I think. Uh, fell off a little bit, obviously, leaving a big market like Boston. Um, but he can still – he plays a great left field. Um, I remember, like, it's, uh, he threw a bunch of guys out in the series we played him. Um, and I'm sure they're happy to have him in New York. And the fans did not back Joey Gallo, so kind of good that that happened. Yeah, I think I'm with you 100%. Benintendi struggled his first couple years in Kansas City. This past season, though, he was, or this season so far, I should say, he was solid. Pretty sure made the all-star team for he did. the Royals, and I think he's hitting up around 300. Let me double check. 314 on the year. Power numbers are kind of down, only three homers so far. Um, but the average at 320 will play, especially for the Yankees, just setting the table for Judge and Stanton and Rizzo and Donaldson and LeMahieu, and the list goes on and on. Yeah, there's not really a weak spot on that roster, especially since the guys behind Garrett Cole in that rotation have been coming around this year. Um, I, where do you beat the Yankees? Yeah, it might have to be done at on the mound. While Cole has been good and Nestor Cortez has been really good, the starting rotation is probably the weak spot on that team if there is one. So we expect the Yankees to be active in the trade market, uh, which brings me to my next couple of questions for you. There are some still big pieces out there. So I'm going to ask you um, one by one a player, and I'm going to say by August 2nd at 6.01 Eastern time, what team is this player on? All right? Sounds good. We'll start with the Cubs. Wilson Contreras. I think it just makes too much sense for him not to be a Met um, with games McCann down for a while and not performing up to that contract. Seems like an, a great fit. Another aggressive front office, obviously, uh, with owner uh, Steve Cohen. They've been super aggressive. I think he's a Met. I'm going to go with the Mets as well. How about David Robertson? Rumored to potentially be in a package with Contreras. Do you think he goes to the Mets too? Uh, I could see it. Um, I, I could see it, especially because they, uh, like almost all the contending teams, could use another arm. I don't think so, though. I'm going to go with the uh, – I'm probably going to go – I think he's probably going to go out west. I'll give him to the Padres because they go get everybody. All right. I'm going to say Robertson goes to the Mets. Um, how about Ian Happ? You know, he'd be a great fit with the White Sox right now. Um, they, 
they could use a guy that hits righties as a left-handed bat. I'm going to say they go out and get him. Last couple of years, the Crosstown has made a few trades. I say they make another one. All right, I'm going to say Hap goes out to San Diego for the Padres, who are also looking for a bat, um, but we will certainly keep an eye on that. How about the crown jewel of them all, Juan Soto? That's who I'm sending to San Diego. That team's too, they've, they've shown that they're too aggressive not to make this move. I think they're going to get rid of Hosmer's contract. Uh, obviously, it was it was it's not terrible uh, the next couple of years, but I think they're going to get rid of that one, clear up some room. I don't know that they could pay him. Obviously, what he's going to get, which is upwards of four hundred uh, million, but I think I do think they pull the trigger and make that move just to keep him, especially out of L.A. because L.A. is piling up the superstars. I think he goes to San Diego. Wow! So Soto and Hater to San Diego with Fernando Tatis on the way. Yeah, that would be incredible. But I, honestly, I think the biggest it's it's a lot of times the Red Sox and Yankees do that too. They keep one away from the other. Um, the Yankees did it last year. I think at the deadline with Rizzo because um, they had Boyd over there. I I think the Padres make the move. You know what? I you sold me on it. I think he goes to San Diego too. I might have to pick somewhere new for Hap, but. He, he seems like a fit in San Diego. He really does. Yeah, he does. Obviously, uh, the All-Star game in L.A., they loved him out there. Um, they, they were chanting for him. They wanted him. Um, but, I, yeah, I agree. I, I do think, for whatever reason, I just have a feeling. How about A's starting pitcher Frankie Montas? I, Montas, excuse me. I think he goes to the Yankees. I, I was, that's exactly where I was going to say he goes, only because um, – they're they're obviously all in this year. Last year they were struggling a little bit around this time. This year they know they got a great team, um, and like we said a little earlier, they could probably use one more guy. Um, and Frankie Montas has flown under the radar a little bit on a bad team. Um, had a little arm trouble earlier, but he's looked great since he's been back, since he's pitched well. Um, so I'm going to say New York. All righty. How about Shohei Otani, who was rumored to be traded? I'm going to go Shohei Otani goes nowhere. Um, they, I don't know if you saw, they obviously pitching has been their struggle. Every single draft pick in last year's MLB draft, they drafted a pitcher. What are, how many of 21 rounds, something like that, a pitcher in every single round. They know that they're kind of running out of Mike Trout time here. Um, they, obviously, it's L.A. They got a lot of money. They just paid Rondon. They got Trout. I say they they try their very best to keep uh, Shohei around, even if they do maybe three, four years for a ridiculous one fifty, two hundred million. Um, they they they're not going to get rid of him. I'm with you there. How about as the Giants just got to five hundred, Carlos Rodon? Does he stay in San Francisco or get moved? Um, he's been so so good for them. Uh, I I the fans have taken to him. Obviously, he plays with a lot of passion. Um, I, I can't see them getting rid of him. He, they're also a smart organization. Um, I say they keep him around and hope that they grab onto that second wild card. I think, yeah, they're four games back of that second wild card. A lot of, a lot of season left. Um, I say they keep him. All righty. How about National Slugger enjoying a little bit of a comeback year, Josh Bell? You know, another guy that's flown a little bit under the radar. Um, obviously, the Nationals aren't doing much this year about 30 games under 500 i don't think he's going to stay in division although i think they could use him um someone in that could use him um i could see him honestly i think he'd be a good fit in milwaukee i thought that last year too when he was in pittsburgh okay um i do i think milwaukee could use another bat i don't know if they're going to do it they usually grab a lot of pitching 
Um, but I do think they could use him, and I think he'd be a great fit there. How about Trey Mancini? The Baltimore Orioles just hit 500. They're 51 and 51, but the last game they played at home last weekend, Mancini tipped his hat to the crowd, and it seemed like foregone conclusion that he might be dealt. Where do you think he goes? Yeah, you know what? It reminds me a little bit of Seattle last year when they traded Graveman after they got hot right before the deadline. Yeah. Um, I don't love it. I think he's a great clubhouse presence for that young team. I really, really hope he doesn't go anywhere. Um, but I, I do think he's going to leave. Um, I could, You know what? I, I'm going to say Seattle only because they're super aggressive and they just kind of pick up guys. Pick up guys. Um, if they don't make seven moves by the deadline, it's not a Seattle trade deadline. So I'm going to say he goes to Seattle. I'm going to say a team that, you know, we've been kind of quiet about. I think the Astros go get Trey Mancini. Oh, man, they don't need another bat like that. They are, whew, that would be scary. And now here's one of the biggest question marks about this deadline coming up. I don't think I missed any of the guys that are expected to go. But what about the Red Sox? They're all of a sudden in fifth place in the AL East, one game below 500, three and seven in their last 10 games. Does Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Christian Vasquez, do they get traded? Uh, I think you're most likely there would be Bogarts. Uh, I, I don't think J.D. because they extended him. Um, obviously, they're going to think, you know, they're going to, which they, they still had, do have a shot at the wild card. I mean, they sweep a series and all of a sudden they're a game and a half back um, of that wild card. I, I think they're going to try to stick around, but I also think that they think they could survive without Bogarts, and that's why they signed Story because they don't plan on keeping him. I don't really know where he would go, though. I don't, I don't know a good suitor for him. Do you have any, uh, any guesses on that? I mean, you look at the teams that are going to be contending. You look at the Yankees, they have their shortstop. You look yeah. at the Blue Jays, they have their shortstop. You look at Houston, I think they have their guy post-Korea. Um, and then the Mets, they've got Lindor. You know, the Braves have Swanson, the Dodgers have Trey Turner, and the Padres have... Um, Tatis coming back so I really don't think any of the major buyers are going to be in the market for a shortstop so I think Bogart stays um, the one that's interesting to me is Vasquez um, he's a catcher and I feel like after Contreras goes maybe a team desperate for a catcher like let's say the Mets get him maybe Houston goes and gets Vasquez from the Red Sox that one wouldn't surprise me too much uh, I think it'd be a good fit if they did because I'm not a big Martin Maldonado guy I think they could do a little better back there. Or, yeah, I mean, or at least if he's played in the World Series, he's won a World Series, so I do think he'd be a nice fit in most places, but especially Houston, that's a good call. Now, before I get into some predictions with you, I want to take a look at this AL Central. Three teams, no more than five games above or one game above 500. Two games separate them in the division, the Twins, the Guardians, and the White Sox. By 6 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, what team has made the most noise? I think it's the White Sox. I think the White Sox are the most desperate team of the three. They're really they're really supposed to be in their window right now. They're supposed to be winning. Um, they're supposed to run a, run away with the division, and they just haven't done that. Um, so, like I said, I do think they can go get an outfielder that can hit a righty like Ian Happ, um, or I'm sure there's always a couple more guys on the on the horizon that pop up and. For whatever reason, um, Rick Hahn loves getting bullpen pieces, especially Aaron Bummer's been down. Joe Kelly's been no sure thing. Um, he's been injured quite a bit this year. So I, I do think they try to bulk up that bullpen again. 
I, I for whatever reason I don't think they're going to grab a starter. Um, I think obviously Castillo's gone. Montas, I don't think they're going to have enough to get. Um, I think somebody's going to overvalue him, overpay for him. So I think they get an outfielder, and I think they get one or two bullpen pieces. Cleveland, I don't see doing much. Um, they like their team. They're just a scrappy team that beats teams by one or two runs. Um, and the Twins, they could make a move, uh, but I think it'll be the Sox making the most noise. All right, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Let's take a look at the American League. Currently, the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros lead their prospective divisions with Seattle, Toronto, and Tampa Bay slotted to be wild card teams. The Guardians and the White Sox uh, and Baltimore are all, and even the Red Sox, are all within four games for that third spot as there are three wild card teams this season. What do you see changing from that field of seven? Well, the Yankees and the Astros are locked into those one and two seeds. Everyone mm-hmm. knows that. It's just a matter of who's going to be one, who's going to be two, but they both get a buy with the new format. Um, I I do think the White Sox, with the easiest schedule remaining, do overtake the Twins and win that division. Um, the last series they played against the Twins, they got a lot of Twins left on the schedule, um, and I, it gave uh, gave Sox fans some confidence. I think I, I do think they make up those two games. They're lucky, super lucky to only be two games back. So I think they take over that third spot. And then wild card, I think Toronto stays, I think Seattle stays, and I think Tampa Bay drops out and Cleveland gets in. Um, you know, I'm a big Terry Francona guy, manages that team that doesn't have much star power outside of Jose Ramirez very, very well, and that's a team I wouldn't want to see in the playoffs. Um, I think Cleveland gets in there. So Twins go from first place to not a wild card team even? Yeah, I think the Twins are going to fall off. Um, I think it, they, had a hot, they had a hot stretch in there. They started rough, and they, they won like 20 out of 25, 20 out of 26, something like that. Um, and they've played pretty much 500 baseball since. Um, and I know they have a lot of uh, – they, they have a few tough series coming up, and I do think they will drop off. All righty. I'm with you with the Yankees 1, Astros 2, Sox 3. I think uh, that's kind of how it's going to play out, especially with us expecting them to be aggressive at the deadline. Uh, then I have Toronto as the number one wild card team. Seattle is the number two. And I'm kind of tossing and turning between the, the Twins – and Tampa, and even Boston to make a little bit of a run if they don't trade everybody. But I'm just going to go chalk with Tampa Bay because they're there right now, and they have shown that they can win um, late in the year and into October. So I'll take Tampa to round that out. Real quick, who do you got coming out of the American League? I for uh, That's tough right now. i, I got to stay with Houston. That lineup, I mean, same with the Yankees, but that lineup in Houston is so tough to get through. Not an easy out in the bunch. Um, I mean, you trade your all-star, all-world shortstop, and you're 30 games over 500 on August 1st. Uh, it's pretty unbelievable what they do out there. Obviously, Verlander's having a resurgence. Um, I think that would be a heck of a series, them versus the Yankees, even as a Sox fan. I think that would be a heck of a series to watch in the championship series. But I can't go away from Houston with all the experience, even with Correa gone. Okay, I'm going to take the Yankees out of the American League. I just think they're so built firepower, and I do think they add that starting pitcher to make them go Cole, Cortez, Montas in a postseason series, which I like against anybody in that American League. So I'll take New York. How about, uh, I think the biggest, what do you think about this? The biggest thing for the Yankees 
getting rid of Gary Sanchez. I mean, that guy could not catch anything back there. Um, you get rid of him, it all of a sudden your pitching staff with Trevino back there, framing he's the best framer in the MLB by like you know the little advanced stats. Um, I, I honestly think he the getting rid of Gary Sanchez has been worth twenty games for that team. Yeah. I mean, he, he he couldn't do anything back there, and then last year he couldn't hit. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right, and and they got Donaldson back, who has kind of shored up third base for them, which has been a bit of a question mark. Um, so that I mean, that looks to be a, a great move for them. I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's take a look at the National League as it currently stands. The Mets, the Brewers, and the Dodgers lead their prospective divisions. Dodgers all but have the one seed locked up. The wild card positions have the Braves, the Padres, and the Phillies with the Cardinals, the Giants, and the Marlins, I suppose, within eight games. Yeah, um, obviously I'm going to take Dodgers to stay as the one seed. Um, I think they just got too much out there not to be the one seed. I'm going to I'm gonna hang out of the Mets. Um, I like what Buck Walter's done with that team, especially without Jacob DeGrom. Super impressive stuff. Obviously Scherzer's been pretty good when he's been healthy, when he's been available. Um I really like what they've done. I'm going to keep them in there. And the Brewers as well, even getting rid of Hayter, I still think uh, they are the best team in that division. Um, Atlanta's going to stay in there. San Diego's going to stay in there. And then I'm going to bump the Phillies for the Cardinals. Um, I think the little combo of Yachty, Pujols, uh, Wayno gets one more postseason run. I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, that would be interesting, though, if uh, Milwaukee is the team that doesn't get the bye and then they have to play the Cardinals, obviously a divisional matchup. Um, that'd be, I think that'd be a fun series. I, I think the Cardinals could win a series, make a little bit of a run, um, but that's going to be my six teams. All righty. I like the Dodgers one as well. Um, I like the Mets two as well. And then I think the Cardinals end up winning the Central. Uh, they had such a crazy run in September. It'd be a shock for them to ep- emulate that. But they're getting healthier on the mound. Flaherty's coming back and starting to pitch a little bit better. They've got Michaelis. They've got Wainwright who can throw a big game. And, and you look at that team with Goldschmidt who might win an MVP and Arenado who's hitting great and Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader, O'Neill, a bunch of underrated guys, but they're loaded, the Cardinals. So I think they end up winning the NL Central. Um, I think the Braves stay there in the wild card. I think the Padres stay there in the wild card. And then the Brewers slip to that final wild card spot. Um, so I think the field is all but set. I think the Cardinals overtake the Phillies like you, but overtake them enough to win the NL Central. And then I placed a bet very early in the year that the Dodgers win the World Series, but I love the way the Mets look right now, especially if they add Contreras. I think the Mets come out of it, and we might have a Subway Series World Series. Wow, that would be something. That would be something. Um, I think. I think it'd be more interesting than if, you know, that happened in L.A. or something. I think a Subway series would be better. I think the fans could enjoy that even outside of New York. I think it'd be a heck of a series. I'm going to go a little different here. I'm going to take San Diego to come out of the NL. Um, I I do think they're going to make some big moves. Like I said, I think they're going to end up with Soto. Um, And you know what? I think it's going to push them over the edge. They got a lot of firepower. Obviously, they're not going to win the division. um, But we've seen a lot of wildcard teams come out. Anything can happen in October. I'm going to take San Diego. All righty. That'll certainly be interesting to watch, especially if they add Soto. San Diego might be the strongest team in the National League, so we'll keep an eye on that. And, Bob, before I let you go, two more questions. Give me your AL MVP, your NL MVP, 
and your NL and AL managers of the year? Well, obviously, it could be it could be Shohei Otani. Um, he's doing things that are just unbelievable. Year he could win it if he stays healthy every single year, and I, I don't think anybody could be mad about it. I mean, he's just so valuable. But I'm gonna go Aaron Judge this year. I mean, what is he at? 42 right now. 42 home runs. 42 and next. 91. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. I mean, he could have 140 RBIs by the end um, easily. Like he's probably on pace for that. Over 65 home runs. Um, it's just been a crazy run, and he's on the best team in the American League, which I think some voters at least care about. Um, I think they're going to be the one seed, and I think it's Aaron Judge, and it won't be close in the voting. won't be all that close. Um, also helps that he plays in New York. And then I'm going to go with a Padre. I'm going to go with Manny Machado. Super. Obviously, you got Tatis out there, but he's been hurt a lot. Uh, Manny Machado's there every day. I think since he's left, like he was pretty much a superstar in Baltimore, but since he's left and gone to a team with Tatis, I feel like he's kind of fallen under the radar just a little bit. Um, so I'd like to see him win it this year. I think he was in the top three last year, so he is getting some love, but I do think he wins it this year. He's just been so, so consistent and always had a great glove at third. Um, they get into the playoffs, I'll take Machado. And then coach of the year, uh, it's, it's tough. I, I guess I'm going to go the basic answer of Aaron Boone at this point because um, they pretty much almost similar to the team that they had last year um, with obviously they got rid of a few guys like Gary Sanchez but the core is still there um, and they're just so so much better I think he's managing that bullpen really well this year uh, he's not pushing um, Chapman like I thought he did a little bit too much the last couple of years um, and and I think they're going to win 107, 108 games. So I, I'm going to give it to Aaron Boone. Um, and then in the National League, for me, it's got to be it, – it's tough, but I'm going to go Craig Council if they win the division. Um, if he's able to do it after getting rid of Josh Hader, if he's able to still piece ball games together, I don't think he loved that move. Um, I mean, he loved Hader. He brought Hader in in the eighth. He brought Hader in the ninth. Um, five outs, you could always count on him. But I think he's going to be able to piece it together, so I'll give it to Council. All righty. I have one the same and three different. I think the AL MVP is Aaron Judge. What he's doing for the best team in baseball, on pace to set historic numbers in the power department. I think Aaron Judge is your your NL MVP or AL MVP, excuse me. And in the NL, Paul Goldschmidt's been the guy all season long. Twenty four homers, seventy eight RBIs, and he's hitting three twenty nine. He might win a batting title, but. I kind of think a late surge from Pete Alonso gives him the MVP. He leads the NL in RBI. He's near the top in the NL in homers. I think trails just Austin Riley and Kyle Schwarber. Um, and the Mets are playing game after game that matters. You know, it's electric in that stadium. I think Pete Alonso could come out of the woodworks and win MVP. And then I also want to give some honorable mentions to guys that, you know, we haven't mentioned yet. Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, both in L.A., are putting together great seasons. And Austin Riley with Atlanta, 29 homers, 68 RBIs, and he's hitting over 300. He's having a great season as well. So those are some guys that could win it in the AL. I think it's just down to Judge and Otani, and we're both on Team Judge. Then for Manager of the Year in the National League, I like Buck Showalter. I think... You know, the Mets being on top of that division that has the reigning champ is is one thing, but in Buck's first season with the team, 
without Jacob deGrom until tomorrow and without Max Scherzer on and off all season long. And they've rode first place from start to right now. So I like Buck Showalter to win an NL Manager of the Year. And then in the AL, I thought about Scott Service with the Mariners. I think he might have won it last year unless it was Montoya from the Blue Jays. But I kind of like Brandon Hyde on the Orioles. I think it's so impressive to have an above 500 record with a rebuilding team in a division that has four perennial playoff teams with the Rays, the Jays, the Yankees, and, and the Red Sox. So I think they they probably won't make the playoffs. They might not even finish above 500. But what Brandon Hyde has done in Baltimore definitely deserves credit, I think. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I didn't want to end the uh, little podcast here without mentioning Baltimore. I mean, that division's a gauntlet. Day in and day out, you're just you're playing – Good offenses, good teams, teams that are ready to win. And what they've done at 500 is super impressive. I was Kevin Cash last year, so Scott Service certainly has a shot. He could definitely win it, and I would not be upset at all if he won it. Um, They went on that huge run right before the All-Star break, so he's certainly got a shot. Yeah, both the Orioles and the Mariners went into the All-Star break with 10-plus game winning streaks. So either of those managers, I wouldn't be upset winning the award. No, absolutely. All right, well, we've got... 27 hours if my math is correct until the trading deadline so we'll be back next week to uh, report some of the changes and hopefully shine a light into the future for the Cubs because right now it doesn't look so bright but Bob thank you so much for coming on the show we really appreciate having our AL expert yeah always great to be here anytime that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner thank you guys all for listening after the hiatus we hope to be back doing these shows a little bit more frequently for you all As always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill and available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. But for now, thank you for coming to the Cubs Corner.